Despite the fact that there's this mythically high failure rate for restaurants, it is very tough. But if you go into it clear-eyed about what the challenges are and you've orchestrated your life and your day-to-day -to, -day to be able to meet those head-on, um, it, it's not easier, but your chances of success, I think, are much greater. Ryan, hey, thanks for coming out, man. Yeah, really absolutely. It. It's great. So you've been in the restaurant hospitality industry for many years. You got three amazing many years. Many years and three amazing restaurants. Are all still open. All still open. Roswell, Alpharetta. Um, so give me your backstory. I'm, I'm interested in your journey. Like, how'd you get into? Yeah, that? sure. So, so I'm a local guy. I went to Roswell High School. We moved down here from New York when I was maybe nine years old. My where, dad where worked for Delta. So I'm born in Huntington. Oh, okay. All yeah. right. So we lived there, you know, zero to nine. Yep. Dad worked for Delta, so they moved us here right before the Olympics, and we grew up elementary, middle school, high school here. Uh, go Roswell Hornets. Yeah. Then graduated from Roswell, went to school in upstate New York, lived in New York City for a little while and kicked around some restaurant stuff. I did restaurant consulting, which felt a little weird being 21 and trying to tell restaurateurs what to do. So at 21, you got into the business? Well, I got into the business when I was 14. So there's a local restaurant by the old Milton High School um, called The Roasted Garlic. Mm -hmm. And they actually had one here in Clock Tower Place right down the road. Um, but anyway, so I worked in that family all through high school, cooking and, and serving and doing all sorts of back of house stuff. And at one point, my dad said, look, if you really like restaurants, you know, there's a school for that. And so I said, okay. So we explored uh, Cornell University School of Hospitality Management, looked at restaurant stuff there. Um, then graduated restaurant consulting out of college. Felt weird about that after about two years. And so I went and opened a restaurant called Maialino with Union Square Hospitality Group from Danny Meyer. And that, you know, certainly wasn't mine. I was just kind of, I was on the opening team. Mm -hmm. So I was, there was nine front of house managers when we opened. And I was like the operations specialist. A great title because it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> And basically that meant I was like the office troll who while everyone else was having fun upstairs, they had me doing, you know, tip sheets, um, uh, inventory control. We, we did uh, the, the restaurant, Maialino, as well as the rooftop and room service. So every case of carrots we got in was split three ways. So I had to build a spreadsheet that would say, okay, we got $100 worth of carrots in, $80 of that is for Maialino, 10 is for the roof, 10 is for housekeeping or uh, room service rather. Yeah. So all that sort of foundational nuts and bolts operations level stuff I kind of did all those back end and it was a great boot camp and here's how you do restaurants right well and I mean it's a huge and important piece you know yeah it's, yeah yeah you gotta kind of know where everything where your, 100%. where the money's going where the products are going yeah, they call it the restaurant business for a reason there's, exactly there's two parts of that right well it's funny because yeah you know, in, in the movie business we say the same thing mm -hmm. yeah the shiny lights and the fun but there's business involved like, oh, totally. we need to make money and we need to know the costs of how to do this so. and and restaurants and, and movies share a lot of similarity there's a lot of purple in that Venn diagram like you look at you know restaurants still have this allure there's this glamour to it there's a creative element Element and everybody likes likes to think of themselves as creative and everyone's got some strength in that world but you know I could practice basketball my whole life but I'm never gonna be as good as LeBron so if right. you're born with a talent for it or an eye for it, or whether it's making movies or making restaurants you know I think the magic is when when you both have that passion and you happen to be decent enough at it that right. you can make some money share your skills and, and bring other people to the party yeah and and you know it's always like 
you know, when you're in, in an occupation that is, it's your natural abilities, you know, mm. you're really good at it and you went and you enjoy it. It's like that pull thing. So totally. like, you're going to have struggles along the way, no matter what you do. But if you've got that pulling sensation to where it's not like you're put, trying to push yourself because that doesn't last. If you're being pulled in because it's something that you're really good at and you're passionate about, it's going to get you through those hurdles. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I, I started in kitchens and I was going to do kitchen stuff. And then I had a culinary internship at the Ritz Carlton where this old, old, I think it was Russian or maybe Eastern European, but he's, you know, grizzled veteran of the industry, been a chef and chefs listening to this will know, you know, that's tough. You're picking up cases of things, awkward reaches, you're bending this way. It's on your feet all the time. It's hot. Yep. So it's, it's a life. Um, and he, he said, look, I want you to think carefully before you go into this business and then don't do it. Hmm. I was like, okay, you know. Vigo, whatever his name is. <laughs> and he's like, because if you don't have just this burning passion for it, it will wear you out. Right. Um, and I think that's true of a lot of things is that passion isn't enough. Mm -hmm. And our generation, I think, has grown up being told, follow your dreams. Yeah. Yeah, if you can make a life at it. Right. But, you know, the, the sort of seedy underbelly of that is passion doesn't pay the bills. And if that's all you have, it's really going to grind you down. And yet it is still necessary. Right. You still have to have it to have that pull, as you mentioned, because... Mm -hmm. You know, when you've been on your feet 14 hours a day in a restaurant opening, you just got your ass kicked. Yeah. I don't know if I'm allowed to say yeah. ass. No, you just I, got your butt kicked. Let's do it. <laughs> you know, you got to have something that pulls you back. Right. And, and it's not going to be the fact that you are good at clearing a table. Right. So you got to have the passion, but it alone is not enough. It, you know, and, and it's funny that you are right. The similarities between the movie business and the restaurant business, because there's extremely long, long hours on mm -hmm. a movie set. Same thing, like, like the restaurant industry. I mean, that's. Especially if you're an you know, owner-operator, I can imagine those hours are just brutal sometimes. Yeah, you're just there. And, and you don't really get to turn it off. Like, first of all, you probably can't enjoy your movies. Yeah, yeah we see it all I differently hate now. I yeah. my restaurants. Yeah. People will be like, yeah. oh, let's, like, let's go eat at Table Main. Yeah. And you're like, I, I'll absolutely do that. I'll have a good time. Yeah. But the whole time I'm going to be, yeah, and so we're talking about things. And, and um, would you just give me one second? Yeah. I gotta, can someone water yeah. that table, please? Yeah. So it's yeah, just, yeah, it's just yeah. a drag to eat at your right. own restaurants after a while. Yeah. So you know, you're, you're pulled to it, it still has that glamour, you know, it has that creative aspect people really like, and they get to thinking in your mind's eye, man, that'd be so cool, and it would. Mm -hmm. But there's, there's a road to get there. Yeah, yeah, I, and I think you know, when, you have, when you have a passion, you, know, you have that passion to do it, always, always put that business mm -hmm. sense behind it. You know, it's like, all right, how is this gonna work? How are you gonna make money? I mean, you know, I, I just think it's so cool that like early on you were able to get the nuts and bolts first. Yeah. And then the passion came along with it. It's cool to see. I think they kind of grew in tandem. Yeah. Um, but you know, a restaurant is just a, a bundle of a million different interconnected processes. It's a factory, right? We're the only factory manufacturing plant in the world where we receive our raw goods in the morning, we do stuff to them, then we serve them to you, you eat them and you pay us all in 24 hours. So managing all of those moving pieces and all the things that can go wrong and all the million different points of contact people send out into their world when they're there, you know, all of that has to be orchestrated in such a way. And when it's all firing on a Saturday night and you're like busting it and it's working, mm -hmm. that's a feeling that, that you love, that cockpit mentality of like, damn, that's, that yeah. feels good. Yeah, everything's moving. Right, it's just right, right. one unit. You yeah. know, it's a team. So you're on a set, you know, the lighting guy's yes. doing his thing and the actor's hitting his lines and, and you know, the key grip. Yep. is gripping yeah. whatever they grip, <laughs> right, right. That's, that's a good day. It, it, you know, everybody, and that, that excites me too. So when I'm on a set and everybody is in their own little specialty and, and you know, you, you've, 
you've hired these people for a reason because they're mm -hmm. great at that one specific piece. But you can't have a finished product without that one specific piece and everybody operating as one unit. And it's really cool that like, it, you know, you got people running around the background, stuff like that. But in the restaurant industry, same thing. Yeah. You know, I was, I was at uh, a restaurant where I was like actually watching them, you know, work in, in, in the kitchen and stuff like that. And it's just, it's fascinating. Yeah, the orchestration of yes. it. Yes. Like, it's literally like, it's almost like a dance. They've planned it out, like crossing yeah, totally. and all this other stuff. Like, there's so much people don't realize that goes on behind the scenes when they just see the food that's in yeah. front of them. And, you know, it's, it's an interesting point that ideally they see none of the work. Right. You know, working for Danny Meyer, he always said, we're like swans, right? All you see is the beautiful, graceful kind of moving through the, but underneath the water, those ugly black legs are kicking like crazy. Yeah. And that's, that's what we immerse ourselves in. You know, my mechanic opens up the hood, he's gonna see things I don't see, mm -hmm. and that's the way it should be for restaurants. You shouldn't notice any of that. Right. So I got a question for you. Yeah. We, uh, we were just having this conversation at work the other day about um, speaking of our world that we see. You guys have your own jargon in, in film and production? Oh gosh, yeah. What's yeah. like your favorite piece of set slang? Uh, I gotta take a 10-1. Gotta take a 10-1, all right. What does that mean? I gotta use the bathroom. <laughs> and why? What's the origin? I have. I honestly, I don't know. We've been saying it for so long. And is, is, are there yeah. like multiple origin stories for how that came? For us, that's like '86. Yeah, okay. '86 yeah, something. Yeah, right. There's like Taking ten different off. competing stories yeah. why that happened. Yeah. And my favorite is the mafia one. But yeah, '86 is. Like, yeah. That, and then I've noticed that too because actually there was a couple people that you know that, that worked for mm -hmm. our company that worked in the restaurant industry before, and uh, they're singing these you know saying these terms, and I'm like. That came from the restaurant industry because that ain't movie movie lingo. But sometimes you hear one and it like catches. Yeah. Like we've got, I'll suggest one for you. We've yeah. got one that's called, it's heard. Mm. So if I go to you, hey, can you clear 401? Mm -hmm. You're going to go hurt. And it's so elegant. It means so many things. It means I heard what you said. Yeah. I'm going to do what, what you asked me to do. And we don't need to talk about this anymore. Right. Because, you know, there's a point in a set where everything is just, you're, everything is moving right now. You know, Saturday night at 830. I don't need the story. Don't give me the whole, hey. I'm doing this other tables thing right now. I think 401's ready to be clear. I'm not entirely sure, but if you could go over there, I don't need that. I just need, hey, clear 401, heard. So That's I right. use that in my daily life now with yep. people. Is, what is, heard? What is <laughs> Sorry. I, yes, I will do that. Right, yeah. It's, becomes, it's funny it, when you're working on set or, because I work in front of the camera mm -hmm. as well, so sometimes as an actor, you're, you're saying these lines so many times over and over again, and a lot of times, like I'll be in a conversation with somebody and I'll be like, I actually just said that in a movie, or I actually just said that exact phrase in, yeah. in a film I just did because you say it so many times. Oh yeah, you gotta make that disconnect. It's like, oh, wait, I'm back in the real world. We'll do, we'll do, um, like, go out with friends or whatever, and and they'll tell me you're being restaurant Ryan right now. It's like, funny. if I see you in another restaurant, yeah. I, it's just ingrained in me to go, hey, how are you? Is everything? Can I can I bring you anything? You're okay. It's just weird. Yeah. It's hard to shed that skin. Are you able to go to other restaurants and like sit and just enjoy a meal, or oh, are yeah. you looking around, and be like, I can't believe they're doing that? I'll, or, I'll notice everything. Yeah. But I can definitely enjoy that. I just don't want it to be mine. Yeah. Like you go to movies, you still enjoy the movie, sure. but you'll still see like that was a little weird. That yep. script scene seemed seemed odd. So I I can notice everything and. Someone, someone had a quote that was, um, I'm going to paraphrase it, but it's like good, good artists borrow, great artists steal outright or something like that. And I think restaurants, part of why I, I make it a point to go out to eat um, is you, you got to have your game challenged a little bit. So, you know, you don't get any better by playing with people who are worse than you. So right. you get better by going out and seeing what other guys are up to, seeing what you can borrow. I love the way they cleared that table or I love that they use, you know, this kind of carafe or whatever it is. Maybe you bring that back. So I think 
that element of part of your job is to go see movies. Yes. And go, man, I love what they did with that camera work just there. Yep. And then maybe you incorporate a little bit of that into your into your thing next time. Yeah. So so you go out to other restaurants and, and just experience, I guess that's part of your job. Oh, 100 percent kind of see what's going on. Do you yeah. travel much? Do you go you know, I try and take one big trip a year, and then I'll take, you know, what, I mean, our age, how many friends years are getting married a year? It's yeah. like everyone's doing Every, a thing. Yeah, so yeah. so this year I'm going to my cousin's wedding in, in London, and I'm going to try and make that a bit of a trip. You don't want to go all the way out there. Mm -hmm. A couple of years ago, a friend of mine got married in Thailand. We were definitely going to make a trip out of that. Yeah. I went to Tokyo last year in Kyoto. So, yeah, I try and work that in. Um, your restaurants, a friend of mine told me a story, a operations head of Waffle House told me, he said, restaurants are a lot like a farm. You just got to spend a lot of time down in there in the barn or the land of the animals go to shit real fast. <laughs> so the thing about a restaurant is just physically being there right. is so important. Not only because, you know, you got to make the rounds and touch those tables and, and greet those regulars and make sure they know you're still on hand. But the staff has got to see you can still clear a table. Right. You, know, you can still, it's sort of a trope to say, oh, I'll clean bathrooms. I clean bathrooms all the time. Right. You know, if I go in the bathroom and it's, I'm not going to go find someone else and be like, hey, clean this. You do it right then. Do the job that needs doing. So, how, all right, you have three restaurants mm. now. So you can't be in three places at once. So how how did you start? You, you started with one, and yeah. just give me that journey. Like, how did you and how do you manage all that? So I moved back down from from New York in February 2011, and opened table in Maine just a couple days after my my 26th birthday. And you know, I talked to a lot of up and coming, whether they're restaurateurs or people who want to do a thing. And I always tell them that the virtue of being so young when you do it is that you can be very selfish with your time. So opening Table Maine so early in my life afforded me the opportunity to, that was, that was it. Like I wrote every check and made most of the decisions. I had a partner, he was great at the time. You know, we, we hung out and did that. That was what we did. Mm -hmm. And it could be that focused because I didn't have a wife or a mortgage or, or kids and whatnot. Right. So I think that there are some drawbacks of being young, but, but those are way counterbalanced by the fact that if you start early, you can be totally absorbed in what you're doing and, and not have to feel guilty about I haven't seen my kids all day. You know? Right. So it, it was, I'm not going to say easy at all. I romanticized that because it was, you know, 50 years ago now. Right. <laughs> and, and I remember, gosh, if, if I could be in all three at once all the time, that'd be good. Yep. Uh, I do have a secret weapon. I, I have a clone. My brother uh, is, is my older brother. He came down from New York to do our beverage service. And Dan uh, is his name. He runs Osteria. He does a great job. Cool. So he can be that sort of point of contact for guests when they come in. They know, okay, Dan's here. Dan's an owner of, of that one and Coalition as well and Alpharetta. Mm -hmm. So having his presence there is a huge help. Um, you know, Matt at, at Table Maine, Jess and Woody and all these characters who, who take part in what we do. I'm very lucky that I keep them for a good long time. You know, Jess has been with me for almost seven years. Laura, the, the executive sous chef at Osteria, has been with me for almost eight years. Mm -hmm. Jennifer, who runs Coalition, has been with me for you know, three plus and was at Osteria before. So all of this to say that you know, keeping the, the key managers there makes my life just a lot easier. Yeah. And I can afford to then try and trip throughout the three of them so I can be that guy who sees you at the bar, hey, welcome back, and right. I can go you know, slightly, if, if we do this a little bit, I can realign where I need to and plug back in. And I don't always have to be the guy who turns on the lights. Mm -hmm that's been a huge help. And that's the biggest thing is teaming. You know, mm -hmm. the, the team, the team that you build, like it's, the co companies are not run by one person. Right, right, They're right. run by a team. And and if your team is all on point, you have a very successful company. And, and I think that's key. And it's funny because I word on the street, I've heard that you do something a little bit different with your employees, that you offer benefits. 
Yeah, so we learned early on that you know keeping those key people is huge, and, and you're in a business here. Yeah. Keeping, we were talking earlier, keep finding and keeping good people is hard. And I say, look, forget about good people. I, I need people right now. Right. So when you find those good people, Woody Back, who runs a kitchen at Table Man, he's a partner at Coalition. When we find those people who, who help make our world go around, we got to keep them. So we put together this program we call Employalty, because I'm a big fan of puns. Um, and basically it says, look, we're, we're a three unit restaurant group, right? I'm not IBM. Yeah. I can't offer the most Cadillac healthcare plan of all, but I can do some things and what we can do now, we're gonna do. So that way we kind of walk the walk and talk the talk of keeping good people is important. Here's how we're gonna show that. So this Employalty program, we have everything from four weeks of paid maternity and paternity leave. One of our, our key guys, Mark, just availed himself of that a little while ago. And you know, that alone, like paternity and paternity leave, there right. are some huge companies that aren't doing that. Right. So we have bereavement pay and sick days and, and uh, you know, 401k benefits and all these things that historically restaurants have not been yeah, it's leading of. the pack in, in right. HR benefits. But right. we said, look, this stuff is important to our people. We want them to see that we're, you know, we're, we're trying and as we grow, this will get better and we'll, we'll bulk this out. But I think they've responded to the fact that, man, if I stay here for you know, a year, I'm a full-time employee, I can get a 401k, medical benefits, dental, all these things that, you know, quote unquote real jobs have that restaurants typically have, have fallen behind on. Right, so so there's like a trial period, is that how you, you bring them on? Yeah, so you know, there's HR government stuff about what qualifies as full time and I think it's averaging 30 hours a week and sure. blah, blah, blah. But there's basically a litmus test that says, look, if you've made the choice that you're gonna make this your thing and, and we're your people, I want you to see that from us as well. Loyalty is one of our five key traits that might be because I'm Italian. But um, <laughs> we've said, okay, and this is well, how we're gonna Italy. live that. Uh, grandfather's from Milan, grandmother's from Naples. Okay, so yeah, I'm not really done, not really yeah. as well, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Let's talk about that. So some of the restaurants, is that inspired like your Italian restaurant? Mm -hmm. Like is, how did you, how did you come up with the meals? Like how, how, um, how so the story of the Italian restaurant, which is Ostria Matone, just down the street here yep. on Canton Street. Uh, that one turned seven years old this year. It just turned six. I may have that wrong. I'm getting older. Um, <laughs> but that one we started, you know, less than two years after Table Main, our landlord, Doug Curling, who's been a huge part of our success, came to us and said, look, guys, I want to, you know, buy another piece of property down the road. It's going to be a restaurant because that's the way the world is going. So do you guys want to do an Italian restaurant? We weren't ready, but I think with restaurants, there's always a push to say, look, I'm either going to get ready or someone else is going to be competing with me down the street. So we took a look at, you know, what do we think we're good at? What do we think we can do well? And what do we think Canton Street is missing? And the answer at the time was, was more high-end Italian. You know, people want to push us into that fine dining. I don't think it's true fine dining, but we got tablecloths, yeah. so here we are. <laughs> so we said, okay, we're going to be Italian, but we made a very conscious decision to say, we're not going to be Italian-American. I am Italian-American, love that food, grew up yeah. eating it, but that's not what we're doing there. Right. So you won't find, you know, chicken Parmesan. You won't find those historic classic Italian dishes, um, Italian-American dishes. We wanted to do a true Roman focus. Mm -hmm. But this issue of, of authenticity is a very squidgy issue in restaurants, as I'm sure it is in film. Like, what does being authentic mean? Because right. if you go to a guy from Texas and you say, what's authentic barbecue? You will get a very different answer yep. than if you go to a guy from North Carolina, from right. Georgia, right. Uh, from St. Louis. So, you know, incorporating all these things, we said, okay, well, to hone our lens of what we think is authentic, I at least want to go and eat the food yeah. and see the sites and be able to say, well, you know, you may think this is not authentic, but this is how we had it when we went to Rome. Right. So we took uh, seven days, we had 31 restaurants in seven days over a trip to uh, Rome, Bologna, Montepulciano, and Naples. And we ate ourselves silly, eating, you know, that pizza from Naples. <laughs> it, it didn't suck, it wasn't bad. Yeah. But you know, we joke and I'm never gonna complain about it, but these things, you eat like three dinners a day, right. you gotta be moving. Right. So right. Um, it takes a lot of planning. I made this map because I'm a huge nerd. Mm -hmm. And on the map was, uh, I pinpointed all of these, okay, here are the places we gotta go. 
your viewers might be going, this Google Maps guy, but I wasn't <laughs> that good yet. So we had, so like Trastevere and Testaccio, we had all these like, okay, we're here, we're gonna hit these six restaurants. And yep. Boom, 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 we hit them all, and then we, we were able to at least say, well, we had 12 different versions of Tonarelli Cacio e Pepperi in Rome. We, we've synthesized what we've learned, and this is our version. So when people say, oh, well, you know, this, you know, you need to be authentic, we go, well, this is our authentic. Mm. So I, I got this question for you. So I'm from Jersey, right? So you're from New York, mm -hmm. right? We're both Italian. We're in Jersey. Uh, Bloomfield. Nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect. It's all right. Hey, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a suburb of, uh, well, whatever. You know, close enough. I can hit a stone. Jersey and Long right Island. Here. We have to have a little tip for tip. Exactly. So, so, but I got this question here for you. All right. There's this big thing, and you're pretty much only the Italians are going to mm -hmm. understand this from the Northeast. Is it gravy? Or is it sauce? We always called it sauce. Did you? Yeah, we always called it sauce. And my Italian-American grandma would make it. And I've heard the gravy, and I've had this conversation before. Well, I've been told that it, that was odd. Okay. But we've always called it sauce. That's yeah. interesting, because that, my family's always been gravy. Sauce. Yeah, the so yeah. sauce. Yeah. It's funny, because like when you come down to the South, and you say gravy, they're thinking biscuits and gravy. Oh, yeah. So it's like. Gravy's got there. But you know, the list of differences between New York, New Jersey, and True. the South we could go on. Yeah. Anytime I hear anyone in the restaurant ask for water, <laughs> I go, well, right. exit on the yeah, LIA. Exactly, you right? <laughs> How'd you know? Yeah. yeah well. <laughs> so, so each individual restaurant, so how did you come up with the concepts for each restaurant and what is the process? Are you hiring, you know, a chef, you identifying a chef or how, how does that work? Yeah, I, uh, I work for Danny Meyer. One of the lessons he taught me was with, with any new concept, you have to have three things to, to really finalize it. You could start with two of the three, but you gotta have three, and it's concept, location, and chef. Mm -hmm. And he would say that there are differences in how you go about the process between, well, I started with a concept and a location, I had to find the chef. Mm -hmm. So with Table in Maine, I had the concept, I had the location, I found the chef. Mm -hmm. With uh, Osteria, I had the chef, we had the location, we had to find the concept. So, um, you know, it's, it's a slightly different order of operations there, and that has different implications for the creative process. And, and it is honestly my, my favorite part of doing this because you know, I, I think there's an element of artistry to it. It's creating this world that people get to inhabit. Just the other day I was having a conversation with, with a prospective restaurateur and I was saying, what's fun about this is you go from an idea, idea one-dimensional, it's all here, mm -hmm. to 2D, right? You write it on paper and you have a blueprint, to 3D, like you built it, and then to right. 4D, which is people are there and the time passes and you're moving and seeing how you were wrong. Right. So all of those things, you know, managing that flow is, is to me the fun part. That's the secret sauce or secret gravy. <laughs> there you go. Wherever you're well, from. Well, whatever you're from. So Table Main, I'd had that idea for a long time. Going to college in upstate New York, you're familiar with a band called The Band? Yes. So The Band was the backup band for Bob Dylan back in the day. Yeah. Bob Dylan got in a motorcycle yeah. accident and he yeah. went to go recuperate in upstate New York. So The Band, his backup band, mm -hmm. uh, it's Levon Helm, Robbie Robertson. Right. Yep. So they said, all right, well, you know, we lost our guy, so we'll just hole up in a house and, and maybe we'll put our own album out. That album was uh, music from Big Pink and it has just a huge status in American mm -hmm. music. They've got a song called Ta uh, The Wait. Mm -hmm. Take a load off Fanny, take a load for free. Mm -hmm. And I would listen to that song in my car as I drove through the towns mentioned in the lyrics of that song. And the song is about a traveler who goes from town to town in upstate New York, the very towns I would drive through. Mm -hmm. And all he would want to do is like say hi to his friends and hang out. But every town he would go to, someone would give him another job to do. Take care of my dog, you know, watch this person or whatever. And so I would think, you know, if I ever open a restaurant, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a place where this guy, as the chorus said, could just lay his head and no one would ask anything of him. So that became the, the, the origin of Table Maine was this sentiment of come here, take a load off, relax, let me worry about you know, getting the food right and all those things because what is a restaurant but a place where people go to forget that taxes are due soon and the economy right. is 
Actually, the economy's doing pretty well. Yeah. There's an election and all this stuff. Right. So putting all those pieces together when we found the space, the, the space 1028 Camp Street, you've been there, Table Main, looks very much like we want you to feel when you're there. It's this right. old, beautiful homestead built in 1910. It looks like a farmhouse well, that hit right on the cuisine, which was this sort of modern American southern cuisine um, that was very much... You know, this, this word farm to table was in vogue a while ago. We've, we've never said that because to me, if you're not getting your food from farmers, what are you doing? Right. So with us, it was always, yeah, we use fresh food. Woody is, is president of the Roswell Farmers Market right now, but we didn't push that because I thought that was just kind of a given. Right. Um, and then that became the restaurant. That's awesome. So let's talk about your latest edition, right? So this is the one you opened up in Alpharetta. Yeah, Coalition, Coalition Food and Beverage. Yep, okay. So so what was the concept behind that? How'd you... Yeah, so I, I think in Atlanta and probably across the country, there's this interesting thing that's happening where people have sort of pulled back from the idea of, of the subdivision. I grew up in a subdivision. You grew up in a subdivision. Yep. We all grew up in subdivisions. And people now want this sort of urban live, work, play. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to be able to work in, in an apartment upstairs and then I'm gonna to go to my town home and I'm gonna to walk to dinner and I'm never gonna leave this sort of downtown center. And we're seeing that explode all throughout Atlanta. First of all, things like the Beltline, yeah. which is the talk of development oh, across yeah. the world, yep. you know, really drove this idea of walkability and reclaiming these urban spaces. And that has kind of rippled across urban Atlanta. You know, Woodstock, Dunwoody, yeah. Sandy Springs, Alpharetta, where we are, yep. all of these places are really igniting their downtown core. So as we sort of let the cat out of the bag that we wanted to do another restaurant, Woody, who's the executive chef at Table Maine, came on board with me and my brother. So the three of us are thinking, let's, let's do another spot. You know, all of these downtowns came to us and said, do another Table Maine, do an Osteria. You know, we would love to have you guys in our downtown because everyone wants local. Right. Just for emotional and some other reasons, I didn't want to expand Table Maine. That's my first. You always remember your first. Yep. I didn't want to do another one of those. Um, Osteria, I don't think the world is swinging that way in terms of fine dining. So we said, well, let's take this opportunity to really define a concept we think we can replicate and do more of, call it you know, scalable, whatever sort of business jargon you want to throw in there. But we said if, if we want to roll out this concept, it needs to be broadly appealing. It needs to have a better textured story than you know, Chili's. But we've all been to Applebee's and Chili's. Right. Sorry, anyone who's watching, no offense. But you, know, you go to these places and they have this sort of forced round peg in a square hole of like, we have black and white photos of a football team that we're going to say is like the local team. <laughs> right. People hate that. Yeah. And you know, millennials and whatever it is that comes after us, we hate that stuff. So how can we make a neighborhood bar and grill that has a menu that's very appealing, makes people want to come back and return and, and uh, just appeals to the heart of the bell curve? Mm -hmm. What's that space look like? How can we do something that will replace the Chili's and the Ruby Tuesdays and they're dead and dying and not coming back? So the thought became coalition. You know, it's, it's got that urban industrial feel. It's got this very exciting sort of lot of uh, uh, glass and steel and brick and ductwork exposed and all this cool stuff. We've got this original artwork, these boom boxes by Lila Werko on the walls and um, all of these things that evoke this feeling of here's a downtown space that's kind of coming online and, and is really exciting. And how could we add to the dialogue of that? So that became Coalition. You know, the menu there, different from Osteria. Osteria, more fine dining. It's got Italian words. Half the time people don't know yeah. what an agnolotti is. Yeah. You know, we could just say ravioli and that might be easier, but yeah. that's not the concept there. Right. So with Coalition, it's a burger and we got a Reuben and we got a Southwest chicken chop salad and we got, you know, all of these delicious things that people already know they love. Right. It's a lot easier to bring you in the restaurant when you already love the food you see than me trying to explain to you why we don't have chicken farm. Right, right. So if you, and kind of wrapping up here, if you were to give one piece of leadership advice to somebody out there mm -hmm. in the business, what would that be? Specifically the restaurant business? Yeah, let's go that way. 
I would say know, know what you're getting into and have your head up about it. Because I think a lot of people get sort of blinded by the reasons we discussed earlier, the glamour of it and it's glitzy and I throw a good party and I make a good souffle so I can do a restaurant. Um, and I will never dissuade anyone from doing it despite the fact that there's this mythically high failure rate for restaurants. It is very tough. But if you go into it clear-eyed about what the challenges are and you've orchestrated your life and your day-to-day -to, -day to be able to meet those head-on, um, it, it's not easier, but your chances of success, I think, are much greater. Take the time to read about it. Take the time to know what a P&L looks like, mm -hmm. know how to do an inventory, you know, know how to check a wine order in and know how to look at your you know, fish that came in and tell, is it fresh, is it what I ordered, did it weigh out right, or are they trying to skim on XYZ? You know, if you can get that blocking and tackling, that 90% failure rate people love to tout doesn't really apply to you because there's probably a lot of people in there who shouldn't be in the game in the first place. So pick your head up about it. Know that you're gonna be missing a lot of weddings and a lot of bachelor parties and a lot of things because you gotta be there on a Saturday. And if you get that, I think you'll have your head much more straight about what the challenges are. That's awesome, that's awesome. Thanks Ryan, I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for out. having me on. Thank you. Hey guys, thanks for tuning into the episode. If you guys enjoyed it, show some love, give me a thumbs up and subscribe. Also, make sure you check out our exclusive C-Level group on Facebook.